The following audio is from the Grove Church Snohomish campus. For more information about our church or to listen to previous sermons, check out our website at grove.church. Well, good morning, Grove Church. So happy that you're here today. If you are a guest with us, as Nick said, we want to make sure you feel welcome today. We have a free gift for you as you leave today out in our lobby. It's just our way of saying thank you so much for being here. In addition to that, as Michelle was saying on the video, super stoked about these vision nights. Cool opportunity for us to get together in a smaller setting and really learn about the vision of the Grove Church. Our vision is very simple. It can be really said in three words, love, connect, serve, or love God, connect with each other, serve all. And it's a cool opportunity for me to explain that vision, explain kind of how we even got to that vision and really help us understand where we're going as a church moving forward. So I hope you can join us um, for that. Before we get to the message and the topic today, like anything, when you're growing up as a kid, you know, from your parents, your mom, your dad, or, you know, grandparents, you always learn from someone, right? You learn how to read, you learn how to write, you learn how to talk, you learn how to spell. You always learn from someone. And personally, I have been privileged, nine and a half years now being in ministry, I've been privileged by a couple who has poured into my life and has really given me opportunity to learn about ministry. And so I really want to give honor here today to my pastors and friends, Nick and Heather Baumgart. Can you thank Thank them and give them huge praise today. Love you guys. Appreciate all that you've done to teach me about ministry. Okay, let's jump in today. Today's a little bit more of a heavier topic, probably the hardest message I'll ever preach. Uh, today we're going to talk about how to commit adultery. It's going to be super awesome. Um, so let's start here today. Number one, if you're married, would you raise your hand if you're married in the room? Be proud of it. You're married. All right, I want to try to figure out who's been married the longest. Okay, so yell it out for me if you're married. Longest, okay, raise up your hands again if you're married, or I'm just gonna call on you. Okay, come on, how many years? 23, okay, 23, okay, up here. 25, can anyone beat 25? Lisa? 31. Four, 40? 40. 40, awesome, can we give it up for them? 40 years old, I love it. That's amazing. Okay. Uh, newest married, you just recently got married. Okay, newest married in the room. Okay, newest married. Okay, Andrew, how long have you been married? Two and a half months. Can anyone beat two and a half months? All right, come on, give it up for Andrew and Abby. That's awesome. I love it, two and a half months. Okay, now if you're single, raise your hand. Go ahead, if you're single, raise your hand. Okay, awesome. Okay, don't worry, I won't ask how long. Okay, all right. Okay, now, if you're single, it could be really easy today to drown this message out, okay? Because I'm going to be talking about marriage, I'm going to be talking about pitfalls of marriage, but don't drown this out if you're single, okay? Because I believe God's preparing you for marriage and, and looking to that future, and I want to encourage you that you can take something away from this message. Okay, with that, with those questions, okay, how many of you in your lifetime you plan to commit adultery? Anybody? Yeah, okay, I didn't think so. All right, nobody's planning to do this, okay? And like this message is about bad advice, okay? I'm offering the worst advice I possibly can. In week one, I talked about how to drift away from God. Last week, I talked about how to become an addict if you're looking to get addicted to something. Okay, today, I'm gonna talk about steps of what and how you can get to if you're looking to ruin your marriage, okay? In Exodus 20, 14, it simply says this. You shall not commit adultery. And most people in this room today, if I were to ask you, if I were to poll you, most people in this room today 
are not planning on ruining their marriage. Okay, no one, no one decides when they get married and they say I do to their significant other. No one's deciding in that moment that someday I'm gonna walk away from this and meet someone else and do something else. In fact, if you were in like a Christian ceremony, and I've done tons of wedding ceremonies, we have language like, you know, for richer or for poor or sickness and in health, right? To love and to cherish. And here it is, right? Till death do us part. And that, that's the commitment that we make and the covenant that we make before God. But nobody plans on doing this. And yet one journal, this one's a little bit more on the negative, says up to 65% of husbands and 55% of wives will commit adultery in their marriage. This is the Journal of Psychology and Christianity. Now, that one's a little bit more negative, bent towards that a little bit. But let me, let me express my, my intentions here. My intentions are not for you to walk away and be worried and scared about your marriage and your spouse. And you know, we always, you know, now you're going to get all their passwords. You're going to look at all their accounts. And you're going you know, to walk out of here with fear or shame or intimidation. That's not my intention here today. My, my deepest intention and where I feel strongly about is I just have a passion for healthy marriages. I have a passion for healthy families. I have a passion for marriages to go the distance, and this may sound cheesy to you, for them not just to survive, but for them to thrive. That's really my deepest passion in talking about this. And like I said, we don't get there just overnight. There's a progression, and here's kind of how this progression can work. Here's maybe the baby steps of what happens leading towards adultery. Maybe, maybe for some, you watch something on a TV or in a movie. Now, I don't know what movies or TV you watch, but any show or any movie that I see out there today has some sort of problem with sexuality in it and doesn't hold the values that are linked up into Scripture. So it's not even hard to find it anymore. Now we have these crazy devices. We can find it even easier than we've ever had before. So maybe somehow you watched something you shouldn't have watched and you saw something you know, on TV. And so maybe that's a step that you took. Maybe a step was you, you begin to get a little unsatisfied in your marriage. Maybe the, the first year, the romance, the excitement, right? All the, all the beautiful bells went off and just that first year is so amazing. But then, I don't know, over the years have gone on and then you had a kid, then you had another kid. Oh my word, you didn't mean to, but you had a third kid. And now all of a sudden, 10, 12, 15 years, the fire, that one time, you know, that first year was amazing. And now it's year 15, you're like, who are you? Okay, And so maybe you get a little unsatisfied in the marriage. Maybe you find yourself at times in your first year, you're telling all your buddies, man, my wife, my husband, he or she, she's amazing. Oh my word, man, dude, I'm, I'm married so up. In year 15, you're like, dude, bro, my life, man. Dude, oh man, I just, what, let me tell you what she did the other day. You know, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is a step where you begin to complain and, and it just begins to become something that you thought, it wasn't going to become. So from there, maybe it's enjoying the company of someone else. I, I don't know, a, a coworker, maybe a friend online, maybe a friend request from a, someone you went to high school with. You see the, the progression here and you start talking to that person and you begin to interact with that person and you think it's innocent, but you're messaging and, and it's no big deal. And then maybe, maybe you end up getting coffee with that person and, and 
You smell the perfume or the, the Old Spice cologne, I don't know. Or, or you saw what they were wearing, you thought they were super, you know, cute. And then, and then maybe as you guys are standing up, you know, you brush arms against each other. And then you leave and you're just like, oh my, what's it like to have your arm brushed up against? And, and all of a sudden you're like excited and you find that person attractive, okay? Then in your mind, maybe you're like, oh man, I, I wonder maybe we'll get coffee again, and maybe this time she'll buy. You know, I'm, I'm looking forward. And, and all of a sudden, out of nowhere, you begin to cross a line that you never intended to cross. And it was just a progression. You know, I talked last week about becoming an addict. I have friends of mine who had a surgery. And they had, you know, something with their back and they ended up were prescribing uh, painkillers. There's a galaxy in our church right now that had surgery and she was even texting me this past week how strong these drugs are that they're having her take because the pain's so high. But I'm sure you've know or you've heard of this. We've known people who become that, then addicted to painkillers after having a surgery and it didn't start there. It was a little bit of a progression. If you're dissatisfied in your marriage and you want to mess it all up, okay, I'm going to give you three ways. They're really hard, okay? Three simple ways to ruin your marriage, okay? Three simple ways to commit adultery. Number one, if you're taking notes, neglect your marriage. Just start here. Just neglect your marriage. In fact, find something, anything, a, a job, a hobby, gaming, um, online shopping, um, recreational activity. I don't know. Find something to give your energy and time and every ounce of thought and pour yourself into that. Just dive heavily into a hobby or your work and let it consume your time. Maybe become obsessed with social media. Maybe get on there and just look at a bunch of people's lives that you don't know rather than getting to know the life of your spouse. So just dive heavily into a hobby. Let it consume your time. If you want to neglect your marriage, number two here, just let yourself go, okay? Just, just let yourself go, okay? All right, just, just don't care anymore, okay? You used to care but now you don't need to care, okay? Because you are trying to neglect your marriage, okay? Maybe you used to care about your health. Maybe you used to care about your fitness. Maybe you used to have good habits, but no, now you're wanting neglect and you don't care anymore. So just let yourself go. Don't pay attention at all to how you look or how you come across. If you're looking to neglect your marriage, here, here's a great advice for you. Here's some horrible, bad advice for you. Just pour all your time, energy, and emotional bandwidth into your kids because kids are worth it all. And you can have an amazing kids without having an amazing marriage. So pour everything you got into your children. Neglect the marriage, neglect the spouse, don't really interact with each other, just be all tunnel vision about your kids, how old they are, what's going on in their world, do everything you can to do their world, live their world, what they want is what you want, and focus entirely on your kids, 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 kids. And then say to yourself this, you know, we'll have a healthy marriage when the kids graduate and move out of the house. That's when we'll work on our marriage. If you wanna neglect your marriage, just don't talk to each other, okay? Just be two ships passing in the night. 
Don't, don't communicate. Don't do calendar planning. Don't talk about when you're going to spend time together. Don't review any times of when you're going to be home or, or away. Just don't even communicate at all. Completely isolate yourselves. Don't talk to each other. Have zero communication. Act like it doesn't matter and you'll neglect your marriage. And lastly, if you want to neglect your marriage, just avoid intimacy. Just avoid being intimate with each other. And if you have to, make it boring, make it predictable, make it not enjoyable, and you'll neglect your marriage and on your way to committing adultery. Number two here, if you're wanting to commit adultery, you're wanting to neglect your marriage, you want to end up in a place where life has gotten ruined for you. Here it is. Two, enjoy common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else. Enjoy common interests and form an emotional bond with someone else. If you want to follow the steps of this progression, just begin to project onto this person. Tell your friends about this person. Say things like, you know, this person just really understands me. This person just gets me. They just know me. They understand. They understand what I'm going through. They, they just, they, they know what's happening inside of my heart. They, they, they get me like anyone else I've ever met. And, 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 and with this, when you make this an emotional bond, go ahead and just hide it from your spouse. Don't, don't tell your spouse about it. Keep it a secret. Create a fake profile online. Create a fake email account and completely separate yourself entirely from telling your spouse about it all. When you're connecting with this person, if you're a female, go ahead and dress inappropriately. If you're a dude, you know, start working out a little bit, okay? So go ahead and suck in the gut a little bit, gentlemen. And when you show up, put your best foot forward because you're trying to make a connection with that person. And, and then, you know, for ladies, if you're a lady in here, you know, do the whole like, <laughs> oh, you're so funny. Stop. <laughs> stop. Oh, my gosh. Stop. You're so funny. Oh, my gosh. Okay. <laughs> you word. I love it. Stop. Okay. And if you're, if you're a dude, always pay, you know, text each other after work, direct message each other online. Uh, you want to get all spiritual, you could even be like, you know, I have been praying for you. I have been praying for you. God has been putting you on my mind lately. I have been thinking a lot about you. You know, I need to care for your soul. All right? That's what God's asking me to do is to care for your soul. Let's continue. Number one, we're going to neglect our marriage. Number two, we're going to enjoy common interest and form an emotional bond with someone else. Number three, we're just going to make excuses and rationalize the actions. We're just going to make all sorts of excuses. We'll bring up the happy card. You know, this person just makes me feel happy. This person just understands me. They just make me feel so encouraged. They, they, they just really get me. You know, my, my spouse was never this way. My spouse never acted like that. My spouse doesn't do this for me like this person does this for me. And just make excuses and rationalize and continue to go down that progression if you're looking to commit adultery. Okay, that's hard, you guys. All right? I've had to do this three weeks in a row. This is super hard, okay? There's the bad advice for you. I bring it all up as examples like this because sometimes we don't even understand what kind of steps and choices and decisions that we're making in our marriages and in our lives. 
Because we're blinded, we have blind spots, we have ways in our lives that we don't always see exactly the things that we're doing. And sometimes, if we're honest, sometimes our heart deceives ourselves and sometimes we're thinking something and doing something that if someone else on the outside saw it, would go, dude, you need to stop doing that right now because it will lead to this. Here's what I want to do here in this rest of this message. I want to give you the best advice I can possibly can for, to have a healthy marriage. I want to do my very honest approach to marriage and why I believe so passion in it and why I believe it can go the distance. And I want to give you so many practical things that will help your marriage today. You may have been married, like someone said, 40 years, or you've been married two and a half months, but I'm going to lay down for you, and it's going to be like a fire hydrant. I'm going to lay down for you so many practicalities of what I believe can make us Christ-centered marriage be everything that God called it to be. Number one here, do whatever it takes. Under this, do whatever it takes to radically reduce the risk. I want you to hear what Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6.18. He writes, run. Run from sexual sin. No other sin is so clearly affects the body as this one does. For sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. I love this language. Run! Like, just Run! Like, I love that he's not like, hey, be careful. Hey, it's no big deal. Hey, just, you know, just watch where you're going. No, he's like, run! Right? I read through the New Living this year, so it's a little bit more practical, but some translations are like, flee! Like, it's just, it's perfect language for sexual sin. It's the best. Like, wherever it is, go the opposite and run like you're running a sprint. Like, run from it. And Paul is talking to the church at Corinth who had a lot of problems and a lot of issues. And here's what he's telling them. He's making a distinction. He's saying, listen, it's not that lying's not bad. It's not that stealing's not bad. It's not that gossip is not bad. Those things are sinful and bad. But there's something about sin when it comes to our sexuality that is different. Because why? Because our body, our heart, our body is the temple of the living God. And when we said yes to Christ, his Holy Spirit came inside of our lives. And what Paul is saying is that this sin is different because it's a sin against your body. So run from it. Like, don't even be near it. Anyone that even acts like it, someone who looks at you funny, you know, anyone that even comes close to that line, just run. Like, don't come near it. Right? All the parents in here who have teenagers are like, amen. I'm so glad my son's here. This is awesome, right? Like, run. Like, don't even come near it. It's that big of a deal. Proverbs, a father speaking to his son about an adulterous woman says, keep to a path far from her. Do not go near the door of her house. Like, don't, don't even go near it. If she lives in your neighborhood, move, right? She works at your job, get a new job. Like, I don't even come close to it. That's how serious, that's what God's trying to say through Paul, how big of a deal it is when it comes to sin against our body. What's tough is Jesus always takes it to a new level, right? We all want to be like Jesus, but none of us are. He takes it to a whole different level. We're like, dude, this is impossible. Look at what Jesus says. He says, but I tell you that anyone who looks at a woman lustfully has already committed adultery with her in his heart. Like, oh, my word. I mean, first you tell me to run from it. Now I can't even look at it. 
Why does it matter whether or not I look at it? Here's why it matters. Because the progression to leading down a path where you destroy your family, it didn't start with the brushing of your arm. It didn't start when you started holding hands. It started way years ago when you let something come inside of your mind. And you let something dwell inside of your heart. And the Bible is very clear about our hearts that we should guard it because out of it flows the wellspring of life. What happens to us is we let things come inside of our eyes and our mind. They begin to take root in our heart. And what ends up happening is we begin to do things that started very simply, started very innocently, started very, very simple. But all of a sudden now, it's beginning to produce something in our lives that we never wanted it to produce. So he raises this bar, man. The line of sin did not start there. It started in our heart and our mind. To radically reduce the risk, here we go, keep a growing relationship with Christ. So big. The more you're connected to Christ, the more you'll make decisions that are according to his will for your life. Never be alone with the wrong people. Never be alone with the wrong people. So simple. Never talk bad about your spouse, including social media. Man, I've been guilty of this. Early on when Amanda and I were married, I would find myself at different gatherings, church activities, parties, just different things that we would do. Man, I'd be joking about something. Next thing you know, like the bus just went right over my wife. You know, you say something, you get a good laugh with your buddies, you know, talking shop, and all of a sudden you say something about your spouse. Next thing you know, you're like, man, you walk away from the going that, and sometimes it'd be in front of her. Amanda, we'd come home, man, it'd be like, man, like, you were just totally making fun of me. No, you were. That was really hurtful. That, that, that upset me. You're talking bad about me, my personality, who I am. Choose to not talk bad about your spouse including now in our world, social media. Surround yourself with strong marriages. I love this. There's people in this room that have been married for 20, 30, 40 years. Man, if, I, if, I'm, if I'm someone like Andrew, if I'm someone like myself, only nine and a half years being married, man, I'm gonna surround myself with some people who have been down the road. I personally right now wanna find some families who have had little kids and survived. Okay, those are the families I want to hang out with right now because this is hard work. And I need them to tell me like, you're going to make it, okay? You're not going to lose your salvation on your kids, okay? Those are the people that I want to be around right now. But surround ourselves with strong marriage. And I love this one. We would say this one in youth ministry all the time. Avoid all inappropriate places and situations. I mean, it's not rocket science, we all know bad things happen in the dark. I remember being in student ministry as a, as a youth leader, as a pastor, and people telling me what I should be doing. I'd be like, that'll never happen to me. I'm fine. We're just talking in the car. Good night. I was lying. It's just easy. You want to have a healthy relationship, either married, dating, or single. You got to avoid inappropriate places and situations. Do whatever it takes. Number two here, to invest passionately in your marriage. Proverbs 5, 18 through 20. May your fountain be blessed and may you rejoice in the wife of your youth. A loving doe, a graceful deer, may her breast satisfy you always. May you ever be intoxicated with her love. Why, my son, 
be intoxicated with another man's wife. Why? Let, let, me, let me give you three things here to invest in your marriage passionately. Get alone time, okay? We call these date nights, all right? I mean, they've been around for ages. Get alone, okay? Now, I'm just gonna get real with you. I got two little kids, three-year-old, nine-month-old. It is work to get alone right now, okay? All right, it's almost impossible, all right? Because they're everywhere, okay? And they consume everything, okay? And it's like 8.30 at night and I'm falling asleep on the couch, okay? That's how bad it is. But you gotta find time and you gotta fight for it because there'll be things that crowd in. There'll be times where there's different appointments and meetings and schedules and your work needs you more and this organization needs you and you gotta do this. No, 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 no. You gotta invest in your marriage. You gotta make time for your spouse and you don't make time for your spouse when your children are teenagers. You make time for your spouse right now in this season. It's hard. I gotta pay for a babysitter. We gotta tell the babysitter every little detail of how it works to watch our kids. We gotta make sure we got money to go out. But here's the thing, that's such an excuse, isn't it? You know how cheap it is to go to Target and buy a little something for your wife? Go get a coffee. Give her 20 bucks and you got yourself a date night, okay? Now, I don't, know how, I don't know how your life works, but for me, just getting out of the house without a kid not on my hip is worth it. It's worth it. And so don't lay down the excuse, well, we just don't have the money. Man, there are places to go and things to do that don't cost a penny. But you get to have time connecting with your spouse. You get to hear how he or she's doing. You get to talk through life. I, I went to this training a few weeks ago and this pastor was saying that they, they use like a battery gauge, like a phone when they talk about, you know, their marriage and they ask each other on these date nights, you know, how, how are we doing? What, what, what percentage are we? You know, and, and anything below 50% is like, okay, these are, this is a problem. If either one of us feel like we're below 50%, this is a problem. But the, the, it's a checkup. It's a gauge. You go, hey, you know, right now we're at 70%, I'm doing great. Or, you know, right now, man, I'm at 30%, I'm tired, I'm exhausted. This baby won't sleep, this child won't listen, I'm, I'm overwhelmed. All right, you know, let's get away, let's find time to connect because we want to always stay above 50%. And I love that they said it like that. Get alone time. Get spiritual. Get spiritual. I've done premarital counseling, I've talked to couples. I've interacted so much on this topic and I'm always amazed when I ask this question. Hey, have you ever prayed for your spouse? What? what? Have you ever prayed for your spouse? Oh, you mean like, 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 like bedtime prayers? No. Oh, you mean like at dinner? No. Have you actually ever prayed for your spouse? Like asked her what's going on in her life and prayed over her? No. Have you ever prayed for him? Well, me and God, we pray all the time. No, no, no. Have you ever prayed over him like out loud? <laughs> no, that's awkward. That's weird. You're weird, okay? <laughs> Let me just encourage you. At first, it is awkward. I gotta be honest. Hey, babe, what, what do you need prayer for? <laughs> it's, it's weird, okay? It's weird. It's, just, it's like, don't I know what she needs prayer for? But, but honestly, now it's become beautiful. I, I'm literally suggesting to you that one of the best things you can do to have a lasting marriage is to pray over each other out loud. 
Literally, kids are in bed. Instead of turning on the next Netflix show, hey, babe, what, what can I pray for for you? You know, I could, you could pray that you'd stop being a jerk, okay? You know, <laughs> you know, whatever, like, you know, but, but simple things like, you know, pray that, that June would sleep. Pray that, you know, I'm just, I'm losing my patience. Pray, all right, let's, let's pray for those things. And, and now it's gone beyond that. Honestly, nine and a half years of being in ministry. Now, in the beginning, it was, we're going to pray for this student and facing this crisis at home. We're going to pray for this church family. And now being a part of this church and this experience, man, God, we're going to pray for this person that's dealing with this struggle in their marriage. We pray for this person who's having this. And now it's become not just praying for our children out loud, praying for one another out loud. Now it's become where we will just pray and pray and pray. Now, it doesn't happen every night. Not acting like the, the expert here. Sometimes it maybe doesn't even happen for several days. But when it does happen, it's powerful. It's supernatural what God can do when you just commit to praying for one another out loud. It's, it's honestly remarkable. If you don't do it yet, I'm going to encourage you to do so. And let me prepare you. Like I said, it will be awkward. It's going to be awkward. You're going to be like, I don't, okay, well, he told me to do it, so I should. Okay, Lord, thank you for my wife. She's amazing. Amen. Cool. That's a start. You just did it. Awesome. Do, do it again and the practice and the rhythm of it. I, I love the spiritual aspect so much. Maybe it's served together. Maybe you decide you're going you're to serve in your classroom together. You work or she works and you're going to take a personal day and you're going to serve together in your kid's classroom. Maybe you're going to serve in the church together. You're going to be a part of whatever experience, greeting together, setting up together, tearing down together, but you're doing things together and it's fostering health and maturity in your relationship. Maybe for some, it's reading the Bible together. Bible reading plans out there now, they're obviously great places like Psalms, Proverbs. Maybe it's reading the Bible together. Maybe it's memorizing scripture together. I don't know what it is for you, but I want to encourage you, if you want to invest in your marriage passionately, you get spiritual. You begin to foster God being the center of your marriage and you put him first and you together walk towards Christ and his plan for your life. Number three here, can I say this? Get intimate. And I don't, and I don't mean to, to act weird here or, or make this subject uh, inappropriate in any way, but, but get intimate. Make time to connect with each other in an intimate way. And I tell you this because God designed it this way in Scripture, and it's meant to be a beautiful thing. You know what the enemy loves today is to make this thing so gross, to make this thing so inappropriate, to make us feel like we can't talk about it. I want to encourage you today, in marriage, God designed it to be beautiful and healthy and a wonderful thing. Okay, and so I want to encourage you to do that. I'm not going to give you specifics. I'm going to keep it PG, but I'm going to encourage you that Christ called us to this when we said yes to one another, and it's a beautiful expression of his love in our lives in marriage. Number three here, to invest in your marriage passionately, to do whatever it takes, we have to visualize the potential destruction. For the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil, but in the end she is bitter as gall, sharp as a double-edged sword, excuse me. Her feet go down to death, her steps lead straight to the grave. Don't go down that path. Don't even come near it. It leads to death. 
And, and as I'm trying to prepare this message in my head, I'm reading through this outline. This is a, a series from Life Church. I'm trying to figure out how would I visualize, how would I think through this destruction? And I, I begin to think through it even more. As I was praying and thinking, I began to visualize just different things that would happen if I ended up going down the path where I ruined my marriage and ended up making a mistake like adultery does. I began to think through this. And I, first of all, I thought, wow, that would be a huge betrayal to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, wouldn't it? I mean, I would feel pretty embarrassed and shamed if I made that decision when I said yes to him and I wanted to choose to live a godly life. I began to visualize that. But I got to make it more personal that for, for that for me if I'm going to really visualize this destruction. Let, let me tell you right now what bedtime is like for a three-year-old, okay? Be, bedtime right now for a three-year-old is absolutely daunting, okay? All right? They just don't give in, okay? And they make you do everything. And my sweet Liddy Pie right now, she wants water, okay? She wants to me to snuggle her. She wants me to read a book. She wants me to say the prayers. She wants a lullaby, okay? The other day, I'm putting her to bed, and she's like, lullaby? Right now, it's you are my sunshine, all right? So I'm like, you are my sunshine. You are my sunshine. You know? I love you so much. You drive me crazy, right? Okay? And so... At the end of the song, she says, oh, daddy, I love you. We're a family. You and mommy and me and Junie, we're a family. You know? I'm like, okay, what do you want? All right, what do you want? I'll give you the world. You know? what, do you, what do you want? We're, we're a family. It's the sweetest thing in the world. You know? and it sounds, this is going to sound dark, but I got to visualize this. I got to visualize sitting down with my daughters and tell them that daddy can't be at home anymore because I didn't put up guardrails and boundaries in my life. You got to visualize this. It's not fun to. I don't recommend doing this every day, but visualize it because it'll change your decisions and the things that you make. Now you think career, right? I got to visualize standing before our church, standing before those I love, standing before a people that I care so much about and say, man, you guys... You know, I, I ended up, I'm, I'm so sorry. And here's what happens. Un unfortunately, it happens all the time in church world. So what is it? Another pastor that falls? Another scandal in a church? Another example where a guy couldn't have integrity and, and do what matters and making good decisions and living according to God and his plan? The potential fallout of people saying, man, if that guy that preaches and yells at us can't live for Jesus, I sure can't. I'm done with this. You hear what I'm saying today? It's visualizing what could happen when decisions that we make are decisions that we were never called to make. You know, by God's grace, and I say this humbly, by God's grace, and nine and a half years now of marriage, Never even gotten close to that line. And it's not because I'm perfect. It's because I have boundaries and I have accountability and I have people in my life to where I never even go close to that line. I want to run from it. I don't even want to come near it. I don't want to even touch. I, I want to have a marriage that lasts the distance. I want to have a family that's Christ-centered. I want to have daughters that love Jesus with all of their heart and love the church. I want that so bad, but it doesn't happen on accident. It happens with intentionality and determination. I'm going to have the worship team make their way up as I close this message here today.
You know, as I was praying and thinking about a message like this, like I said, probably one of the harder messages I have had to speak before, I started thinking that there could be people in this room today that either you've been affected by this, you've been affected in some way by sexual sin, either in your family or in your marriage or in, in your life, or you may know someone, even now you may know someone who's dealing with this right now. You may know someone that's struggling or walking through these challenges and you may, you may have a friend or, or a, a person that's connected to you that's dealing with this type of sin. I want, I want to say two things here. People who are dealing with sexual sin need other people who will walk in grace and truth. People struggling with sexual sin need people in their life that will walk with them with grace and truth. Unfortunately, we're not very good at walking with people who deal with sexual sin. We tend to shame, we tend to judge, we tend to be embarrassed, and we tend to not want to go there with them. But for the person who's struggling with it, the person who's suffering in it, the person who's needing counsel and needing guidance and needing a friend, you may be that person that offers them grace and truth in that situation. I also think it's important that whenever we are unfaithful, God is faithful. And one of the, the, the notes that I thought was so powerful that I want to quote here, one of the things Pastor Craig Rochelle says is that adultery is great grounds for divorce. And the Bible is very clear about that. But it's also great grounds for forgiveness. It is incredibly great grounds for divorce. But even more so, there is the power of forgiveness that can happen in a marriage and in a family. And I believe that we can look to scripture and look at what Jesus said and said, hey, I've come to forgive you. I've come to give you life. I've come to give you hope. And I wanna tell you today that in marriages, God is in the business of bringing hope. God is in the business of bringing restoration and healing. God is in the business of transforming marriages that will thrive in our culture today. And so if you know someone dealing with that sin today, you know someone struggling with that, let me just encourage you, would you be the person that walks into that dark place of their heart and begin to show them love and grace? And if you're that person today where you've experienced that type of betrayal and you've experienced that type of hurt, I wanna tell you that God has forgiven you, God can heal you, God can make your marriage whole. And there is hope for our marriages and there is hope for the future of our lives. Can I hear an amen? Let me pray for you today. God, today we thank you. Even now, God, I pray, first of all, every person in this room who's single, God, maybe they look down the road of wanting to get married. They look down the road of wanting to pursue marriage in their lives. I pray even now you would prepare their hearts, God, that they would guard their heart, that they wouldn't let any person or anything come inside of their heart, but God, they would run from sexual sin, they would run from those temptations and they would live a life pleasing to you, God. And that you would bring the right person to their lives, one that is Christ-centered, one that loves Jesus, one that lives for you, God. And right now I pray for marriages, God. Our marriages, God. 
The person we said yes to 30, 40, 10, five years ago, whatever time it was, God, bring us back to that altar, back to that park, back to that farm where we said yes to the person that we love. And would you reignite in our hearts a commitment to go the distance, a commitment to thrive, a commitment, God, to invest passionately in our marriage, a commitment, God, to put one another, God, before our desires, a commitment to lay down our wants for the sake of our spouse. And I pray, God, right now that you would strengthen marriages in this place. If there's a marriage on the rocks right now, would you strengthen it and provide them wisdom and counsel? If there's a marriage that's thriving, I pray they'd be a strong marriage and a strong mentor into someone else's life. And I thank you, God, that you are restoring hope in marriages. I thank you, God, that you designed marriage to be a beautiful expression of your love for the church. And so, God, it's our prayer that we would do it well. It's in your good name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Grove Church Snohomish Sermon Podcast. If you want to keep up with us, like us on Facebook, Instagram, or visit our website at grove.church.